Thank you. Thank you. Uh, between the two of us, we have four grown uh, children, uh, three boys and a daughter, uh, all four of them married, and we have six and eight ninths grandchildren. Our daughter is due in about two weeks. Um, the, the, our children age, range in age from 24 to 34. So those of you with um, boys that are going to go through the teenage years, we survive that. And those of you with girls that are going to make it through the teenage years, you're going to survive that. Uh, it is possible to, to do that. Um, hopefully on your way in you picked up a uh, book, Have a New Kid by Friday, a book which I laughed at when I first saw it. I, I thought the title was dumb and stupid, and there's no way that you can have that much of a change in that quick of a time period um, until I read it. And I've always liked Dr. Lehman. I, I like his parenting principles. And he just broke it down to, to there's some just simple principles. Simple doesn't mean easy, but it's simple to understand. And if you apply them, uh, you can have change in your children's behavior. Should have also picked up a uh, brochure um, booklet that's got all of my notes in there for each one of the sessions tonight, tomorrow night, Saturday morning. There's some fill-in-the-blanks in there. Uh, there's some homework in there. You will get out of the session what you put into it. Uh, it it's a lot like uh, Sunday morning. If, if you just come to church on a Sunday morning and you sit and listen to the message and then you go home and you don't do anything with it, how much life change is there? Exactly. Preacher's wife there. Um, Pastor, yeah, she, and, 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 and yes, I am a pastor, and, and so I'm, I'm, I'm preaching from what I, I know, but it's the same way with this. I'm going to be sharing some principles, and, and as I share them, I'm really, I'm, I'm more interested in you understanding the principles rather than the, the tools. Yes, I will be sharing some tools as well. Um, there are things that, that Peggy and I picked up over the years that allowed us to survive uh, our children. And, and at times even to thrive with them. So uh, that's what we're going to be, be covering. Tonight I'm going to be talking mostly the foundational stuff, but I will be talking about one tool. Tomorrow night uh, I'm going to be getting into the meat of parenting. Three powerful principles. If you can, can get those three down, they can take you a long way. Uh, and then the, the last session... Um, a few more principles, but each time I'm going to have more and more tools that you can uh, add to your tool belt. Now, because of the, the size crowd we've got, I invite you to, you think of a question while I'm talking, write it down. At the end of each session, I'll have a Q&A. We'll allow some time for that. Uh, in fact, speaking of time, um, this room is perfect for me to preach in because I don't see a clock. And you know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Absolutely nothing anyway, so don't worry about it. Uh, but you're sitting here, and someone else is taking care of your children, so you might not mind it if I went for three hours. But I promise you I won't. I'd like to start off talking about a uh, uh, parenting example that uh, my wife and I went through very early on. Our first child, uh, Tim, was born in August, and we took him out Christmas shopping in December. And we noticed another family, uh, two-year-old-ish, that was absolutely not listening to mom. And, and we looked at our perfectly acting three-month-old in the, yes, exactly. I uh, went home, and we had a discussion that night about what things we wanted to do to make sure that our child didn't act like that child. Well, I learned a lot more from my firstborn than I think he learned from me. Because fast forward two years later, and we were back Christmas shopping with a uh, little over two-year-old, and guess what he did? Mm-hmm. He, he, it was like he had seen that behavior and decided to imitate it. And mom called him, and he ignored her. 
And so dad barked at him because, you know, I've got the voice of authority and I can put a little more oomph to it. And he ran away from me. Went into one of the, those uh, clothes racks and, and jumped inside it and hugged the, the center post and he disappeared. I was tempted to just walk out of the store and leave him. Um, but my wife and I had a discussion that night when we got home, not about how we were going to train our two-year-old, but about the fact that from that point on, we made a commitment never to comment on any other parent's teenagers. It was a commitment that we have kept to this day. Uh, so be careful when you judge another uh, family's child lest it come upon you. Uh, but children can act in embarrassing ways, can't they? Children can act in, in irritating ways. I like the way that Kevin Lehman puts it. He, he calls them affectionately ankle biters. And he says, we have met the enemy and they are small. So let, let me uh, just get you to uh, help me fill out half of the board here right now. Now, I'm not asking about your children, but just in general, what are some ways that children misbehave? Yelling? Pardon? Running away? <laughs> yeah, I know about that one. What else? Throwing a fit? Are we talking about the child or the parent? Throwing a fit, what else? Talk back? Yep, they will do that. <laughs> That's their favorite word. Can't imagine where they learned it from either. What else? Pardon? Hitting, ah. Hitting, biting. Give me one more. Arguing? Absolutely. So let me ask a question about all of these very normal, typical behavior of children. Is it possible, is it legal, is it okay to call those actions wrong? Let me ask you this. Are there any parents in here that want to have children that act this way? No, no we don't. Uh, the Bible even puts it this way in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 11. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and whether it is right. That isn't right behavior. No parent wants a child acting that way. No parent wants to show up at parent-teacher conference, have the teacher look at you and say, oh, I'm so glad you showed up. Now, as I mentioned, I'm going to be sharing some principles, and, and tonight's just going to be some foundational principles. There's really only two reasons why your children act like that and the thousand other ways that they act that, that irritate us and bother us. And the first one is, and this is the first fill in the blank in your notes, they do it for attention. Your children crave your attention much more than you are, think you're capable of giving it to them. And if they can't get positive attention from you, they'll take negative attention. In their mind, negative attention is much better than, than no attention. Um, and so if we're going to parent effectively, we're going to have to be proactive. We're going to have to do more than we thought we were capable of doing. Uh, I know my children expose my flesh way more than I was comfortable having them do that. But we're, we're just going to have to. You're going to have to. You're going to give your children attention one way or the other. 
you just get to choose whether it's positive or negative. But you, you, you have to make that choice. Uh, so it's going to take time, and it's going to take energy, and it's going to take you being proactive as, as mom and dad. The second reason why children act up, next fill on blank, is power. They act the way they do because it helps them to get what they want. And they, in fact, let, let me ask you this question. How many of you have, are, are you a parent of a strong-willed child? <laughs> that is usually the case that most of the hands get raised because, I, and I, I'm glad that our child, our first child, was, um, he definitely wasn't compliant as, as, a, as a toddler and as a preschooler, um, but he was just all boy. He was all action, Jackson, and he was just, just going everywhere, 90 miles an hour. And, and he, he challenged me, and he, and he caused me to grow as a parent, and it was good for me not to have things go smoothly with the first child. Because is there anybody in here that your first child was a very compliant child? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking with you about that earlier. And you, you think that's normal, and you have a tendency to think, boy, what a great parent I am. Yeah. And then you have a second child who's also normal, just a different gender. Um, but, but children act the way they do because it helps them to get what they want. And it's also, they get what they want due to how you react to them. This, this, this dance has two people involved with it or three people involved, your child and, and whichever parent they are engaged at the time. Children are master manipulators. Good, I'm glad we're in, a, in agreement about that. Um, but if your child controls you, your child won't respect you. Now, let's also take a look at this side. Let, what are some examples of children behaving properly? Using the magic word. What else? Listening. Isn't it wonderful when they do? What else? Obeying? That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Can I just put nice? Yeah. It's nice when our children are nice. How about one more? Helping? Sure. Without being asked 20 times? So what I want to do is, is can, can we say that, that this side is more normal than this side? The default of your child, is it more over here or is it more over there? Now, now, your compliant child may live over here, and, and that's pretty normal. But every other child, seriously, this is their, this is their standard. And, and I want to call this here. And I want to call this group over here there. Because more often than not, parents that show up at a parenting conference have children that are closer to here than to there, or at least one of them. Or, or maybe you know somebody that needs this information, you're going to take it back to them. So how do we get our children from here to there? Well, it's pretty normal for each one of our children to be somewhere between the two. And, and they may bounce back and forth. And they may live 
over here some, and they may live over there some, but, but they're, they're, they're on the journey, and it's our job as parents to help them on the journey, to help move them more from here to there. But how many of us like to change? Boy, I see a whole sea full of hands that raised. We don't. It's difficult to change. So one of the things that's going to be a challenge for you is that if you don't change anything in your parenting style, what's going to change in your home? Nothing. If you don't make a change, will your child's behavior change for the positive? No, it won't. And, and so what I want you to, to think about as you look at here and however much your child fits here, I want you to ask yourself the question, is here acceptable? Am I willing to live here? And if you're not willing to live here, then what are you willing to do in order to move your child more towards there? It will have to be proactive. It will have to be intentional. It won't happen just because you showed up at the meeting. You could come to all three meetings and even catch me Sunday morning at church when I'm talking to, to, to mothers on Mother's Day. And that won't change anything unless you decide to make a change, unless you decide. But, I mean, I, I'll be honest. When I first saw this book, Have a New Kid by Friday, I thought, yeah, right. And, and it, it's interesting. Um, I'm not going to be teaching out of this book per se, um, but as you read it, you'll, you'll recognize some of the principles, you'll recognize some of the examples. But the thing about it is, okay, I mean, it's a fairly good-sized book. This portion of the book, the first third of it, that's Have a New Kid by Friday. That's all the material that he has in it. The, the last two-thirds, that's just ask Dr. Lehman questions. What about uh, anger? What about bullying? What about uh, overnighters? What about et cetera, et cetera? So what he was saying is, look, there's not that many principles. There's not that much you as parents need to do to get right to have well-behaved children. You just have to be willing to, to do it. And, and so the, the, the question is, is it even possible to go there? Is it possible to raise children that listen, use please and thank you, act nice, obey, and are willing to help? Yes, it is. And it is actually possible to get there quicker than you might realize. But I hope you're thinking that, come on, Larry, there's got to be a catch. And there is a catch. And it's also the next film on the blank in your notes. And the catch is you. The catch is you. And the catch is what are you willing to do? What change are you willing to make? What adjustments are you willing to make so that you can have the their child that you would like to have? So the question then is, how are we going to bring our children from here to there? What are we going to need to do? Well, I think we need to start off with the fact that, that we've got a biblical mandate. We've got a scriptural mandate in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, uh, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Then skipping a, a few sentences, fathers, that is parents, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, than bring, them, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. My wife and I would tell our children on a regular, ongoing basis, you've got one job to do, that's to obey us. It's the next fill in, <clears throat> me. It's the next fill in blank in your notes. It is obey. You want to talk about keeping it simple for the child. But what's the definition of obedience? Let me give you four 
facets of obedience, all of which are necessary for your child to be obeying you. First one is instant, or instantly. Uh, That's also the next fill in the blank in your notes there. The second one is complete. How many of you have a, a child that majors in partial obedience? That was our number two son. I, I, I asked him one day to uh, pull some weeds out of an area of the yard, and he came inside in way too short of time. There was no way that he could have done the job in the amount of time. I said, you done? He said, yeah. So I went outside and checked, and you, you know, you know, he had gotten maybe half, maybe. If I was being generous, he had pulled half of them. So I went back in and I said, no, not acceptable. So he went back out there. This time he was smarter. He stayed out longer. He came in, and I saw him a little bit later. And he'd probably been back in for, for a while. And I said, are you done? He said, yep. So I went out and checked. Was he done? Mm-mm. He had done another half of them, you know, half of a half. So I sent him back out there. And he was really mumbling and grumbling the third time when he went out. But the third time, he actually did all of them. So uh, it's not obeying if they do it partially. They have to do it completely. Third facet of it, without complaining, And the fourth one, without arguing. Those two are very similar. There may be a thin line difference. If you have a lawyer in your family, he or she will do both. Now, that, that's the child's job. That's each one of your children. That's their job. That's their biblical mandate from God. Our job as parents is to train them without provoking them to anger. So next two fill in blank you know it's train anger. Train them. What the, the scripture says there, train your children without provoking them to anger. How easy is that to do? It, it's as easy as rolling a bowling ball down the middle of a road. Yeah, you know, with a little bit of a curve on the road so the rainwater goes off. Uh Uh-huh. Parents have a tendency to go to one ditch or the other. And, And it's difficult to do that. But if you get some principles and understand how to, you seriously can move your children from here to there because you it is possible to train them without bringing them to anger. You know, Jonathan, let me just go ahead and go to a handheld. We were talking about this earlier, and, and he said, you can try it. Am I back on? Not yet. Testing, testing, mic test. Can you hear me now? Okay. Um, here, here are some foundational principles for parenting. One, the foundation for all parenting is relationship. I don't want you as interested in your child's actions as you are in your children's hearts. Successful parenting, you're trying to reach their heart, not control their actions. You can control their actions when they're young enough unless you have a strong-willed child. Strong-willed child is difficult to control at any age. But as long as they're not strong-willed, you can control them at a younger age. But that style of parenting doesn't work when they become teens. It is not effective long-term. So you need to focus on the relationship that you have with your child. One of the things that, that my wife said that um, she did 
um, on a constant, ongoing basis is she would study her children. How many of you have more than one child? Completely different personalities, right? You want, how did they come out of the same factory? So they're so different. Exactly. Uh, that's, that's normal. Uh, but she would study them. What motivates them? What fears do they have? What will work with one child that she knows won't work with another child? She just focused, 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 focused. And then she'd tell me, try this, try that. And I did, and it worked. I looked like a genius. (laughs) But focus on the relationship. Secondly, consider your motive. Can can we agree that we'd like to take our children from here to there? We're all in agreement on that? Okay, let me ask this question. And and I'd like to get some answers from you. Why do you want to take your children from here to there? Give me some feedback. Peace, okay. Raise productive human beings. You can enjoy... You can enjoy parenting a lot more when they're living in there than living in here. You're you're tired out when you're living in here. Okay, I agree with all of that, but a lot of those answers had to do more with the parent than it did with the child. And I, I get that. Trust me, I get that. I've been through it. I understand However, if you're going to be successful in parenting, you have got to parent. Your motive has got to be the child. It's not about you as a parent. Now, don't, don't feel that I'm, I'm talking about a child-centered home where the child runs the home. I'll talk about that tomorrow night, talking about different parenting styles. But your motivation from taking the child from here to there should be because it's better for your child. Your children's, your child's adult life will go much better if they launch from home living in there than living in here. If they treat their first boss the same way they're treating you here, It's not going to go well for them. And so you want to take them there because it's going to be better for them. And at the same time, the bonus is it's much better for you as parents as well. But the motive needs to be more for for them. Okay? Um, Third thing of principles about successful parenting is there needs to be more actions than words. I get my living by words. My children learned the dangers of asking dad a question because I could not give them a short answer. But I was a lot more successful as a parent when I showed them actions rather than gave them another lecture. Uh, Dr. Kevin Lehman puts it this way. He says, if you want your child's behavior to change, you'll need to develop better character. Now, let me just give you an example of action-oriented parenting that's a successful response to a pretty typical problem. Mom uh, picked up Sydney, I'll call him, from uh, kindergarten, and she could tell as soon as Sydney got in the car, he was in a mood, and it was going to be one of those days. And sure enough, they got into an argument on the way home. And Sydney probably ended the argument by kicking the back of the seat and yelling at mom at the top of his lungs, I hate you! What was mom going to do? Well, wasn't the first time that that had happened. And she's, she's tried both ditches. She tried yelling back at Sydney. And then, you know, they both felt bad. And usually she would feel more convicted than the child would and would end up apologizing for her outburst and not really ever dealing with Sydney's behavior. And she tried going the other route, just stuffing it. 
and things were a little bit more peaceful, a little bit. But just on the inside of her, there's just something just, she just didn't like. But Sydney's mom read a book by Dr. Lehman and came up with a game plan. She didn't say anything when Sydney yelled at her, just stopped the conversation. Didn't say anything when they got home. The one thing that she did do different when they got home and, and came inside, she didn't put out a snack. Didn't put out any milk and cookies, and she always gave them a snack after kindergarten. And so, of course, Sydney asked mom, Mommy, where's my milk and cookies? Mom said, oh, we're not having milk and cookies today. Turned around and walked into a different room. Sydney, being the compliant child that he is, said, oh, okay. <laughs> not at all. He goes flying after mom. But mommy, we always have milk and cookies. She just looked at Sydney and once again stated one sentence. Mommy doesn't feel like giving you milk and cookies today. Turned around and walked into another room. Well, about this time, Sydney is scrambling like an NFL quarterback on Sunday afternoon with a 325-pound lineman chasing after him. Goes running after mom, grabs her by the ankles. But mom, we always have milk and cookies. About this time, mom thinks that she's got Sydney's attention and it's time for a teachable moment. She gets down on the ground with him and says, Sydney, Mommy didn't like the way that you talked to me on the way home. And that's why we're not having milk and cookies today. And of course, Sydney, because he's been trained well by mom, said, Oh, Mommy, I'm sorry. And everybody knows that Sydney was sorry that he wasn't getting milk and cookies. But mom was smart enough to accept the apology and explain how his words hurt her and talked with him about his feelings, what he was upset about. She validated the feelings, but challenged the actions that he had and gave him a big hug. Everybody was happy. Mom's happy. Sydney's happy. Then Sydney asked him one more question. Now, Mommy, can I have milk and cookies? And what was Mom's answer? The correct answer was, Sydney, Mommy said we're not having milk and cookies, so we're not having milk and cookies today. And then she got up and walked into another room. Now, what she did was she responded to Sidney's anger and his outburst with four statements, zero anger, zero attitude on her part, simple one-sentence statements. She said what she meant. She meant it. She turned around and walked away. The, the, the principle of successful parenting and how you can take your children from here to there, if you can say it once, mean it, and walk away. Now, I know what some of, probably most, maybe all of you are thinking, yeah, right. If I say it and walk away, I can mean it all I want to. My children aren't going to do anything with it. We'll talk about that. But that's, that's the principle that I want you to get to. And if you can get to it, then you can move your children from here to there. And you can have the home that you're looking for. <clears throat> A word about your words for that principle to work. One, you're going to have to think before you speak. Because you say it and you mean it, you better be able to live with what you said. And secondly, you're going to need a lot of times to get some more information before you speak. Because a lot of times we think we've got enough information to make a decision and, and we actually don't. Okay, so I'm still talking about foundations of relationship, that um, foundations of parenting, talking about the relationship, talking about the motive, talking about actions versus words. Let me talk about another thing that's real, real key. How many of you are here tonight and you are 
living in a two-parent home. You and you and your parent, okay. Any single parents in here tonight? God bless you. Okay, let me talk to, to the two-parent uh, homes first. Um, the relationship between the husband and the wife, between the mom and the dad, has a direct correlation to the behavior of the children. The better the relationship between mom and dad, almost universally, the better the behavior of the child. Remember back to the attention bit? When, when the child senses security in mom and dad's relationship, they're a lot less anxious, they're a lot less fearful, there's a lot less reason for them to act up just out of anxiety. Which means that if things aren't as good between you and your spouse as you'd like for them to be, then it would be well worth you spending some time working on that. I've been talking about proactive parenting. Part of proactive parenting could be working on your relationship between you and your spouse. Because that will make a difference uh, with the action of your child and and your children. Um, As much as possible, don't let differences in parenting style drive a wedge between the two of you. And also, as much as possible, get on the same page. Now, that's going to be tougher in some situations. You'll have two different personalities. You'll have two different upbringings, two different parenting styles that were modeled in front of you. And I get all of that. But whether it's, whether it's easy or whether it's going to take a lot of extra effort to get on the same parenting page, it's worth it for your children. And it is worth both of you saying, okay, you know what? Let me step out of my way or the highway and let's talk about what we can do together and come up with a plan that will work that both of us can live with. And for the single parent homes, wow. It is, um, it's tough. It, it, it's just a, um, it, it's a God bless you job. Um, if the other uh, parent of the child is in the picture, as much as possible, try and work together. Now, you can only control one person. You can't control him. The same way you can't control your child, you can control you. And if he's not going to work with you, if he's not going to cooperate with you, then you can't make him. But as much as possible, again, for the good of the child, Try to get on the same page. And, and if you can't, you can't. But whatever you can do. Um, the bottom line in single-parent home, but just all homes, is doing what's best for the child. Which means that there are times that mom and dad will end up on the short end of the stick. Now, doing what's best for the child does not mean always saying yes to the child does not mean letting the child run over you. But it's, again, back to the motivation, let's parent for what's best for the child. Okay. So, talked about some some foundational principles of parenting. Uh, I'd like to share one tool with you before we finish up tonight. And this is what we call the calling tool. Fill in blank there is calling tool. Um, what was the one job that your child has? It's to learn to learn to obey. Okay, uh, this is a fabulous tool to see to test whether or not they are obeying you. Now, the the how many of you have children uh, say under ages uh, three years and younger? Okay, any of you. Um, your youngest child is over, is already in elementary school. I know you've got, got a 14 year old. Okay. The younger they are, the easier it is to introduce the principles, to introduce the tools. However, you can work this at any age. Our children were, I think, 10, six, four, two and a half. When we were introduced to the calling tool. And 
the older they are, the more dorky it sounds to them and the more pushback we got. But I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Um, the way that it works is, is quite simple. Um, and anytime you introduce a new rule, you need to sit your children down and explain it to them. Now, that's different than introducing a new parenting style. And I'll talk about that one, the difference in that when I'm concluding. But this is a new rule. This is a, a new tool. And anytime you're using that, you, you, you have to explain it because there's no way that they would know what to do unless you explain it to them. And the calling rule simply works like this. When you call a child, they have to, one, make eye contact with you. Now, if they're in a different room than you, then what's going to have to happen? They're going to have to move. After they make eye contact with you, they say either yes, mom, or yes, dad, depending upon which parent they're talking to. That's it. Simple, two, two steps. Now, what's the normal when you call a child? <laughs> Nothing to what? But what are the, have they stopped doing whatever it was they were doing? No. Do you have their attention? No. And, and is there any assurance that what you say they'll actually hear? No. Therefore, the calling rule. They've got to stop what they're doing. They've got to look at you. Then you've got their attention. Then you can talk to them. Then you can tell them what, what it is that, that you want to tell them. Um, but, you know, they, they've got to, to do that. Um, but it doesn't always have to be a negative. You could call them. In fact, I'd encourage you. I'm going to encourage you to, to, to have specific test runs with this. But sometimes it, you, you call them and, and, you know, you, I'll go through the gyrations you have to go through when they don't come when, when you call. But when they do finally make eye contact with you, sometime you can say, I just want to let you know the cookies are, are ready. Don't always make it a negative. How many of you have jobs outside the home? A number of you. Um, how many of you have ever had a boss that the only time the boss ever talked to you was when you were doing something wrong? Okay. You know how that felt, right? Okay. Don't be that parent. Don't be that parent to your child. Or they won't want to answer you. They won't want to come to you. So call them sometimes when there's something positive, when there's something fun at the end of it. Um, so how did this rule work in our household? Uh, the house that we live in is a uh, two-story with a full basement. And at the, the time that uh, we were using this, uh, the only floor, excuse me, the only bedroom on the first floor was the master bedroom that Peg and I were in. So we had some children in bedrooms downstairs, some children in bedrooms upstairs. And more often than not, when I wanted to call them, they were either upstairs or downstairs. Now, I thought and I felt that I was being very generous because I would walk all the way either to the top of the stairs or the bottom of the stairs before I would call them. Yeah, well, you saw the generosity of that as much as my children did. Um, but I explained to them, I said, well, wait a minute. I'm not making you change floors. Yes, you do have to change location, but I'm not making you come all the way down to, the, to where I'm at. So we explained the rules. My, our children, especially because I teach on this, very compliant, instantly obey all the time. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, so I called one of my children. And they instantly answered, what? And this is how I responded. See, I had to retrain myself. I didn't remind them of the rule. I'll get to reminding tomorrow. I didn't 
say anything. I'd wait about 30 seconds, and then I would simply repeat the calling of the same child, same volume, same tone. I wouldn't get a tone. I wouldn't, David! I didn't use the middle name. I just called him. Usually by the second time, they'd remember. And you'd hear something like, and this is the older ones in particular. You get to the bottom of the stairs, the top of the stairs, what? And then I'd just tell them what I, what I did, you know, what I wanted to tell them. But what do you do if you call twice and they don't come? That's when you go to them. And you have to make it to where it's not fun for them when you go to them. So they were doing something that just had their attention so riveted that they didn't want to interrupt it. Video games, cell phone, homework. Yeah, probably not. Uh, But whatever it is, you go to where they're at, call their name again. See if they will turn away from what they're doing to give you the attention. If not, then you really have a challenge on your hand. Then you just take away whatever they were doing. Turn the TV off. Gently take the book from their hand. You don't want to get into, don't get into a power struggle with your child but you keep calling their name until they give you their attention and you'll find out whether or not they will obey. And then you tell them what you need to tell them. However, if you have to go to them, then I would encourage you giving them a, a, a timeout. And whatever it was that they were doing, they lost the privilege of that activity uh, and our general consensus, our general philosophy was one minute per year of age. And especially if they grow up with that, by the time they get to seven, eight, nine, that's an awfully long wait. Start with your 14 year old, mm hmm. Okay. But whatever it was, there has to be a consequence. There has to be a consequence. They don't need words, they need action. And for this to work, you're going to have to train first yourself, and then you're going to have to train your children. And you'll train your children best when they mess up, when they fail, when they flunk. But don't worry if they don't get it right the first time, because you'll be calling them for the rest of their lives. There'll be plenty of times for them to, to, to get it right. And, and like I said, especially if you're dealing with a strong-willed child and especially if you're dealing with a child that just doesn't want to comply, make it fun. Have some positives at the end of your, so that they, they don't think that it's, yeah, okay. Um, so let me just share some final thoughts and then I'll ask for any uh, any. Uh, questions you might have. Before you make any changes based on anything I share tonight or tomorrow or or Saturday morning, do this. Make sure that if, if at all possible, both parents are in agreement. And talk through, make sure you understand what will you need, you need to do different in order for it to succeed. Remember how I talked about if you're going to go for, if you're going to take your children from here to there, you're going to have to do something different. You're going to have to give your children something different to respond to. Because if you don't change, they won't change. So you, you're going to have to, to think through it. Now, if, if you're ready right now, you understand how to apply it, you, you, you can see what you're going to have to do different, you and your spouse are on the same page, Go for it. But the principles that, that, 
Dr. Lehman put out as far as having a new kid by Friday, he, he encouraged them, wait till the end of the week. But you'll know when you're ready, when you are sure that you understand what you're going to need to do different, how you used to act in the past, how you now are going to act, and if you can get you and your uh, partner on the same page. We're talking about action-oriented parenting. That, the changes, okay, new rules, new tools, that you need to explain. But a change in your parenting, that you don't have to change. Excuse me, that you don't have to explain. You don't have to sit your children down and say, um, we're going to start doing things differently. No. No announcements, no warnings, nothing. Kevin Lehman calls it fun day when you start implementing the changes. Because now you're in charge and you've got a game plan that's going to work. And you've got some tools that will help motivate your children for them to learn to obey themselves, to choose to obey. And um, it, it's fun actually looking at the expressions on their face like, what's, what's going on? Mom's never done that before. I've never heard that from dad. They'll, they, they can figure it out. Trust me. They, have, they already are acting the way they are now based on the parenting that you've done up until now. They, they have figured you out and know how to get what they want most of the time. So you just change your parenting style. Oh, it's fun. It's fun. And you're doing it not because you want to make things fun, not because you want more peace in your home, but you're doing it because it's better for your child when they learn to go from here to there. And in the end, you are having more fun, and it is bringing more peace in the home. So that's all I've got for tonight, except for any questions that anybody might have. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, excellent question. What do you do when you got the, the less than two year old and, and you're trying to introduce the calling rule? Um, actually I had it in my notes, but I wasn't close enough to them and I just walked away from it. Excellent question. The younger they are, the more fun you make it. And, and you, you just, um, one, they, they want to please mommy and daddy. They want to be around you. So call them. And as they come at all, hugs, kisses, celebration, the band's playing, the, everything. And, and the times that they don't, um, just try and, no, no, no. And, and try and redirect them. At, at that age, it's more distraction than correction. It's a great, great question. Anything else? Okay. Great, great question. What do, you, what do you do if they were so engrossed in something that was a positive, like reading? Um, I'll tell you what we did with uh, our oldest son. And when I say we, I mean my wife, Peggy. Um, because she told me that uh, um, about this discipline that she did to, to our, our son, uh, she said... Um, I came from work, home from work one day and said, yeah, I, I took Tim's book away from him today. You what? So he was, he was misbehaving, so I took his book away. I wouldn't let him read. And, and I, I, I'm ashamed to admit, I thought that was the dumbest discipline that I've ever heard of. Except with that child at that time, it worked perfectly. So yeah, even if it's a positive thing, Reading is good, but obeying mom and dad is paramount. And so, yeah. Okay. 
I'd, I'd give them a timeout. And, and I'll, I'll explain my timeout principles tomorrow. Um, I, in general, I like any discipline to be short, sweet, direct to the point, and then get it done with. And, and so the timeout and, and other things, just pretty much just one minute per year of, of, of age. And then you're done with it and everybody can go on. Uh, do, how old is your child that loves to read? Uh, seven. seven? Seven minutes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What if they can't hear you? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about a uh, child that's so engrossed in... <coughs> And what they're doing that they don't hear you. Once again, you'll notice a lot of our illustra- my illustrations are, are about my firstborn. Um, we felt that he was borderline ADHD or ADD, and we almost had him tested. Or did okay, we, we were close. Turned out he was just a normal boy. Uh, and then we also felt that uh, he had hearing problems because. He just didn't respond. So we, we did this test. He was playing in his room. Then you had to go through the, you know, the doorway, the living room, around the corner to the kitchen. Uh, Peg got through baking some cookies and said, Tim, the cookies are ready. I thought, there's no way he's going to hear that. He heard that. So, back to the principle of studying your child. If they don't hear you, they're not going to be able to obey. But you're going to have to test them to see, okay, what is actual not hearing and what is ignoring. So, I would encourage you just to to test it out with some positives and, and see what is it that it takes in order for her to hear you. And, and if she's not hearing you, then, I, then I, you know, you just make an adjustment because she's got to be able to hear you before she can respond. Okay? Pardon? What about kids that do have ADD or ADHD? Yes, yes. Um, that's, a, that's a great question. Um, a child can only respond with what they're able to choose to respond with. I still believe the principles apply, but you can't ask a child with, with those hormones or, or genetics to be able to, to act like your firstborn daughter that just loves to sit. Yeah, yeah, it, 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 it's not going to happen. But, and, and so you don't make allowances for the misbehavior, but you do make allowances for what they can't control. And at the same time, working with them as much as what they can control. The same way that, that uh, do we have, uh, how many parents of children in elementary or middle school? Okay. Um, are some of them uh, scholarly and some of them not? I, I was talking with one girl in, in, in my church one time. She was somewhere in maybe ninth grade and uh, report cards had just come out and I casually asked, well, how'd you do? And she kind of shrugged and said, well, I, I got one B. I said, is that unusual? She said, yeah, it's the first one I've ever gotten. Okay, now, that was what she was capable of doing. She could just as well have a brother that C is a good grade for him. And so you don't expect a child that's not capable of straight A's to get straight A's. You understand with me on, okay.
All right. Great question. You have more than just that one child? Pardon? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 um, it's going to take more work. It's a challenge. Yeah. But you having it, you can help, you can understand them and, and help them. And you, you know what is possible and what's not possible. And, and you, you, you in particular can empathize with them when they get frustrated. And I think that that's a powerful tool. Okay. Any other questions? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent question. What What do you do with a child that just doesn't seem to care? That uh, whatever discipline you give them, eh? So what? Okay. Um, one of the principles that I'll cover tomorrow. We'll have an we'll give you a clue on that, but basically, there will always be something that, that child will want or need. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's children do not give you much to hang them with. That's figuratively, not literally. <laughs> but when they do give you something, use it, milk it for all it's worth. You were talking about your, your, your 14-year-old daughter has got a boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Yes, that, that does present a challenge, but it also gives mom some leverage. Oh, your, your, your behavior's not, I, I don't know about seeing uh, George however long, you know, oh, she said her daughter's behavior has gotten a lot. Mm-hmm. She's got some leverage. So it, it's just finding the leverage. It's there. With some children, you have to, to, to search harder to, to find it. Great question. Mm-hmm. Sure, you you got another 14 years to work it out. <laughs> um, I, I think it just it goes back to the principle of studying your child and, and realize that, that this, it, this is a lifelong process. And the more energy and effort you put into it now, the better off it's going to be a year from now and three years from now. And, and so... A lot of parenting you don't know, and that's okay. And so you work with what you do know, and, and, and you try some things, and you'll find something that'll work. And then that little ankle biter will change the rules. And what'll work one week won't work the next. And then you just have to find something else. But you, you keep striving to find that because it's better for the child to go from here to there. Okay. Sure. Anything else? You always want to model the behavior that you want your children to do. 
boy, I, and, and I can think back to times that I wouldn't have wanted to have heard that. Yeah, it, but it, it's, 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 it's powerful. You, you, you can't tell your children, do as I say, not as I do. And the more respect that you show your spouse and, and vice versa, the more your children will learn to, sh- to respect each other. Uh, in our household, one of our, our rules that, that I just is, is you don't mess with the queen. Now, our five-year-old daughter announced to mom one time, I the queen. <laughs> and mom said her straight, said, no, 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 no. You the princess. I the queen. And, and, and so I just always wanted to model respect to her, but also demand it from the children. That, uh, no, you're not going to treat mom that way. And, and it, was, it was more of not really you're not going to treat mom that way. So it's just more of, of no, that, it's just this is how you treat mom. But yeah, definitely it's going to make a difference. Going once? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the principles that I'm going to cover tomorrow, the three principles, will, will help you understand why. Because it's ineffective when you do. But it's, yeah, it's, if you keep level, that, that's the front you're wanting to present. You may not be feeling it on the inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Going twice? Jonathan? All right, could you guys thank Pastor Larry for sharing with us tonight? That was some good stuff, and we'll look forward to tomorrow. We will meet back here tomorrow at 5.15, and there will be refreshments again. I forgot to tell you that there are bathrooms over there if anybody uh, needs them. So we will meet back here at 5.15, all right? Nope, 5.45. You can be here at 5.15 if you want, but... You just get to hang out with me. So we'll see you guys tomorrow.